This is a Sono India production and you're listening to Pride and Prejudice. Aryan is a therapist and one of the founders of Guftagu Therapy which is a year old. Guftagu Therapy focuses on people from marginalized communities including queer people. Aryan is a trans man and most of the mental health organizations he worked at were not a right fit for him. So he started his own. Yeah, of course I worked with uh, uh, multiple organizations uh, and also uh, you know in in mental health is what i'm talking about um uh so there were organizations where i felt like uh, they were not uh were not open to understanding about working with queer and trans population uh and it became very difficult for me to give my knowledge to share my knowledge to question existing knowledge you know to say that how that might not work with certain clients and what we're seeing uh, is also disregarding of queer experiences and trans experiences and this daily struggle became too difficult and too much of uh, pain you know so then i decided to move to another organization thinking that they would be queer and trans affirmative because they did say so they do mention that but unfortunately there also i was made uh, made to feel like i'm just a token you know they have hired a trans person but uh, none of my experiences or uh, my knowledge was seen as uh, uh, valid or i don't think they needed my knowledge forget about validation uh, they were too sure that they already know everything so then i was like okay and then covid hit and it became all the more difficult because i I got COVID twice, and and then this tokenism was becoming very difficult for me. So then I decided that I would not want to work for somebody or work with anybody, and I wanted a long break. I, in fact, I took around a year's break, and then I joined as a co-founder for Mustafa. Aryan is among a growing number of therapists in India who practice queer affirmative counseling. queer affirmative therapists say that it's not just about being queer friendly it goes much deeper than that hello i am surya tapa mukherjee reporting for pride and prejudice in this episode we are looking at queer affirmative counseling practices or qacp QACP goes beyond mere acceptance of queerness in people going for therapy. It is about questioning existing therapy practices through a queer lens and expanding the possibilities of how therapy can serve a queer client. We will look at how this approach helps those who go to queer affirmative therapists, how QACP came about in the first place and its limitations. I spoke to co-founders of Guftagu Therapy Aryan Somaya and Sadaf Vida I also spoke to Shruti Chakravarti the chief advisor at Mariwala Health Initiative and faculty of the QACP course they are all queer therapists who practice queer affirmative counseling 
Sadaf explains what queer affirmative counseling means and how it is different from a therapist being queer friendly. So it's this questioning of things like developmental milestones, what is a fully functional person, what is a good relationship, what is a dysfunctional relationship, all these things which we are taught and we aspire to take ourselves and our clients to these like quote-unquote better places, are those definitions themselves flawed and decided by just one chunk of society? So I think queer-friendly would be like the chunk stays there and I just try to push my queer clients to that chunk. Whereas queer affirmative is I question the chunk itself, whether it's something to aspire for. So how can a therapist be queer affirmative? There are four ways according to Shruti. I think these are ways in which we do queer affirmative work. Right. So. So I think what can happen is that in a queer affirmative space, one is able to recognize that the individual distress of the queer trans client is distress that bears the weight of a social system that's unequal. I think that recognition and that link is very important. Yeah, I am like, you know, a client may be distressed, unhappy, and fearful, not because of something within them or because their sexuality is wrong, but because the world treats them badly, right? So to sort of make the connection and recognize that the source of distress lies outside and the person bears the brunt of it, that's important. Secondly, to hold space for that distress. Thirdly, to recognize the unfairness and anger also, you know, that clients experience in a world like this, to validate that and to stand by them as they experience that kind of discrimination and stand up against it with them. Fourthly, celebrate. There's much joy, you know, queer lives are also full of struggles, yes, but there's fun. You know, we we do the rules differently. It's empowering. It's freeing. And are our practitioners able to get outside of their maybe normative frameworks and see the beauty and the expanse of that kind of queerness? I think that even cis heterosexual clients can benefit from a queer affirmative approach, to be very honest. It is expansive like that. She gives an example of how she puts this theory into practice. I had a client who... uh you know, she was, uh, she was, she's lesbian and in a lesbian relationship and her partner was receiving, uh, an award. You know, it was a pretty big deal. Her girlfriend was getting an award, but the client was really distressed and unhappy that, uh, she had, you know, when, when the invites were sent out and the organizers were sort of giving, you know, seat placements of who gets the first row of VIP seats, uh, the award winner's partner, who's my client, wasn't given a seat next to her partner, was somewhere put on the guest list several rows at the back because they weren't out as a couple, right? So at such a prestigious event, my partner could not be the couple that she was. She was not seen as the couple that she was with with the award winning partner. And I think, I, I mean, and of course, as you can imagine, it caused her a lot of grief to be an unknown face somewhere in the dark audience. And she came with that sadness, you know. And how they were struggling was that then between them, they were fighting with each other. 
saying my client was telling her partner well you didn't create space for me you haven't come out yet and i i can't be next to you and the partner was saying but it's not safe for me this is my workspace and i can't and unfortunately it had become like a blame blame each other but what i was able to do then in therapy with with my client was to help her reframe and recognize that this is actually neither of their faults right it's not that the partner doesn't want you there next to her it's not that you don't want to be next to her but the way the system is structured it is not safe and then you know uh, in that framing in a very gentle way and of course over time i mean i'm saying this very quickly but we have sessions that are an hour long and weekly uh she did cry you know and that crying actually helped her heal and feel somewhat soothed and it helped her fight less with her partner because she's able to then empathize with the partner and both of them realize that well you know it's not us that are not doing enough for each other we are really trying our best to be with each other and fight the world that is against us so then you know i i think the kind of work we did in therapy helped them like have more empathy and support for each other and not go into blaming each other so that's the kind of work that we can do sadash shares some examples from her work i think for me what i'm recollecting is uh, two clients one was a trans man another was uh, is a lesbian woman and i think with both of them the common thread that i saw was that when we worked together um initially like they were carrying a lot of guilt when the parent felt bad about the coming out you know so the parent might stop the transition process saying that oh why don't you do it after i die like i have hardly a few years left and if you do this then i will be um you know maligned in the society and my bp will go up and this will happen and that will happen and yeah. in the in the beginning both the clients would feel bad ke my identity is hurting my parent like even though they were not saying i don't like this identity i don't want this identity. they were saying yes i i identify as trans and lesbian but i know that it's also hurting and somewhere it's who i am that's hurting them i think what the work has allowed them to do is to see these as two different things like it's to see that um me just being myself is not the intentional hurt if say i did something like you know if i went up to them and hit them or went up to them and mm-hmm. took their property that is intentional that is me doing something but when i'm trying to live as who i am that is not intentional hurt that is hurt that is happening because the parent is not able to be broad minded enough the because the parent is unaccepting so to see that i'm not causing it but it's a by product of me just living my life then allows the client to then grieve actually because somewhere mm-hmm. i feel that there there is a hope in every client not not queer or trans or anybody i think all clients who have issues with parents there is a small hope that you know will they shift someday will they just accept me as who i am someday and i think that grieving was necessary to do because at least for the trans client what was happening is he was not going through transition because of the mother being hurt and then he was feeling extremely dysphoric as time passed so i think grieving the fact that you know like she's in a threat mode about this and it's maybe not her fault but you know the way that she was brought up and everything she she cannot think of your transition without being threatened so till when are we going to wait for her i think that grieving allowed him to still love her um, but also still uh, know that this is something that may not intersect ever and i just have to do what i need to do for myself 
and also to take less responsibility i think with time he realized that this is the way that she is processing his transition it's not about the transition directly so i think that also gave him a distance to not feel guilty all the time so that is something i remember like the change of expectation the grieving i think that really helped both these clients even the lesbian person Shruti, Sadaf, Aryan are in agreement that a good therapist who is always curious and open to learning would naturally be queer affirmative. They don't need separate certificates for catering to different communities. But that is not the world we live in right now because of the enormous stigma and discrimination against queer people. to understand how transformative this concept of queer affirmative counseling is let's go back to the 90s when shruti was in college studying psychology and the movie fire had just released tandoori roti is ready ready Agra is not only famous for the Taj Mahal; it's also very famous for the lunatic asylum. Maybe that's where you land up. Are you going to be home tonight? My college professor started a discussion on the film and about the two women being lesbian, and it was a very homophobic discussion. You know, of my classmates who said that films like this should not be shown because it encourages two women to fall in love, and you know, if we show these things, then society will start doing these things. and it felt really yeah it really felt awful so i think those are some of the examples that i can't can remember from that long ago yeah i i mean it makes me laugh because i think queer people struggle so much to come out it's so hard to tell yourself your own truth in a world that is so prejudiced i mean i i wish it were as easy as watching two women on screen to become gay right so i think we are now talking as long back as 97 98 99 you know uh, late 90s and uh, either the subject was not touched at all so if there was i think we first made an appearance as the like you know as queer people i the word of course queer was not used it was sexual minorities and i think it came under in in my textbook on abnormal psychology it came under uh, i think studying sexual dysfunctions uh yeah it was kind of brushed over very quickly but i still remember sitting in class and experiencing lot of discomfort and shame and i think disgust towards myself so i don't may not remember the content of the textbook per se but i remember the sort of psychological impact it had on me of, of feeling very ashamed and feeling very scared that i'll be caught you know somehow just because it's in a textbook like that i felt that i am now in danger and i'll get caught i didn't begin practicing for almost 7 years after graduating so i graduated in 2003 but i only had the courage to sort of start my own practice in 2010 and i think those years i was trying to understand the field trying to understand where i fit uh and now that you asked me part of that not fitting must have been because of what psychology was not offering to lgbtqi lives at that time back then shruti says it was much more difficult finding a queer tolerant therapist let alone one who is friendly or affirmative 
I think if you needed to find a therapist, if it occurred to you that maybe therapeutic space would be a good one for you as a queer person, you would just ask around in the sort of whisper networks that, you know, do you know if there's a therapist who's okay with people like us? I don't think we were using the words even friendly, let alone affirmative at that time. You know, it was more, yeah, you know, this practitioner is kind of open. This practitioner's good you know, is not prejudiced. That's the level at which we were talking at that time. Yeah, like it was probably like looking for a therapist who's not going to trying to do conversion therapy on you. That was probably like yeah. the benchmark. Yeah, I think the bar was quite low. Yeah. affirmative counseling practices were consolidated into a course by Mariwala Health Initiative where Shruti is the chief advisor. They had their first training in 2019 and have been growing rapidly since. Aryan was a trainer and a co-creator of the course as well. In fact, that is where he met Sadaf when she attended the very first QACP training session. They founded Guftagu Therapy two years later. Sadaf says that courses like QACP are needed till queer acceptance becomes the norm. We also need these courses for the time being as bridges because the studies we do, as I said, they center on one person or one type of person, right? For example, if uh, because of the feminist movement and all that, now women's rights and everything is part of the syllabus and gender-based violence is part of the syllabus. So the moment Mm -hmm. it enters the syllabus, you don't need to go and learn it a luxury. It is because these things are not um, mainstream yet. Is I think the role of these short uh, courses is like kind of like a bridge between today mm-hmm. and tomorrow. Today we have ideas of only around certain people and we only study mm-hmm. those people as human subjects uh, and aspire mm-hmm. to be like that. Tomorrow, if my basic studies of medicine and psychology caters to every type of person, mm-hmm. disabled, queer, every intersection, then I don't need to go and study Alex. Yeah. So I think we also need to understand that this course is filling a gap, but yeah. we can't consider the solution. Yeah, we need studies which erase the idea that there is one type of person to be. We yeah. need studies of, especially helping professions, psychology, mm-hmm. medicine, social work, need to in their main basic courses cater to every population. To be honest, before doing the story, I was under the impression that any queer therapist would naturally be queer affirmative. Aryan says that there are times when his lived experiences aid his therapy. But there are times when he doesn't relate to his trans clients. That is when his work as a therapist becomes even more crucial. A lot of things that did come up as uh, where I where I got in my experience of of being trans, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes I was also being therapist. Like most of the times, I was being therapist, but wherever I was needed, I was also being trans. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. Transness is a part of the whole being, like a big being of therapist. Mm-hmm. It's a small part where I take, take up space as a trans person, you know, or take knowledge from my lived experience as a trans person. I also fail sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, to understand their trans experiences. For example, I have had very tough time to understand this person's transness because 
they always never they don't even name it as transness and they always name it as gender trouble you know and it's been hard you know because i never saw it that way and that's why i say that just because you have you speak about something or you write about something is not the end of that knowledge it is just a beginning and it is just one set of knowledge that you have presented from probably thousands of other knowledge that is that is on the lived experiences which have not been covered you know which have, which are which, which which you don't know which is outside your arena or your periphery you know so yeah and i and and, and i want to say that this is a journey that i have to do as a therapist to to know at that point that okay is this is is my knowledge limited to understanding of transness you know do i have to uh, question the transness do i have to question uh, certain things that i have learned from my experiences and go back and say that okay as a therapist i have to do a little more work and just me being trans is not enough when a queer person goes for therapy it doesn't always mean that they need therapy for being queer but if a therapist is queer affirmative it lays a safe foundation for them to explore and examine the other issues they face in life what i find is that um like whenever a, there is a queer or trans client um there is uh, a mix of what they went through in childhood and their queerness gets filtered through that yeah. so an example i'll give is i have a client who's a trans man um so when he has romantic experiences where the cis woman maybe leaves him for a cis man that that is about his transness uh, you know like she she is making him feel that it's about his transness but he is also experiencing it filtered through his childhood neglect as well you know mm-hmm. so i feel like that is actually the skill that's required that yes you understand what is coming from the oppression and then you also what what is coming from the development of the person and what they went through so mm-hmm. i think that's where the skill of the therapist comes in is that what do you do if they've had bad experiences what do you do with that if their queerness ka struggles are also getting filtered through other experiences how do you tease the two apart so i think that's been my sort of focus when i work with people yeah lot of people did say that you know coming to you made us feel like uh, our transness is valid mm-hmm. you know uh and uh, now we also see but there, there is this client who also spoke about that i never knew that there was so much more to uh, my uh problems than just about my gender and we discovered that there was a lot of discomfort coming from family from 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 sibling relationships and because i didn't limit myself to that and uh, uh, and we discovered so much about the patterns so much about other experiences in other relationships uh, not only uh, intimate relationships but other relationships like family friends relatives siblings and 
so many other relationships that we have at, at, at working place with education, with power, with oppression. Uh, I have learned so much and a lot of um, uh, uh, another therapist, uh, sorry, another client who also mentioned that uh, in a good way though, said that now I'm scared to come to therapy because now I don't know after what am I going to discover, you know, because I always thought that my issues were, issues were only supposed to be limited to my trans experiences. But after you speaking, after you saying, after you questioning so many other things of my life, now I'm scared sometimes. And of course, we do continue seeing each other. But it's also to know that, okay, we are seeing so much more mm-hmm. than just this. and the other work she does with the queer community is part of her giving back to the community that helped her survive and thrive in those early years when it was the norm for psychology classrooms and for psychologists to be openly hateful. I am. I, I really believe that the community did help me survive. I found role models. I found ways of feeling normal about myself. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, gender diversity, sexuality, diversity, ways to be, ways to do relationships, intimacies. I mean, I learned that directly from meeting queer trans people and I am forever grateful. And I think that that's, like I said, you know, the kind of support I received then, I am forever indebted. And one way to, one way is to pay it forward. So the kind of work that I'm trying to do now is to sort of create literature, community, and these courses to support support our people, to support queer trans people. One of the other courses actually that MHI does is called Peer Support Practice. Let me talk about it in just a few lines. And that is actually for queer people to equip them with counseling skills to provide support, emotional support, particularly to other queer trans people. So I think that's also the kind of work that I do and love to do. But I do not want to at all discount that there were always therapists who did good work. And I also don't want to discount that the queer trans community has always stood by for each other to provide the kind of emotional support, crisis intervention support uh, that has existed for decades now. I mean, uh, something like a QACP has not emerged uh, suddenly, you know, it has emerged because historically before us, queer trans activists and perhaps uh, practitioners within the field have pushed, right? We've pushed, we've protested, we've resisted, we've demanded, we've asserted. And then I think the time was right perhaps for MHI and QACP to emerge at a time like this. So I would definitely, definitely like to acknowledge the history before us. Yeah, but it's a, it's, it's a, it feels good. Yes. That today we've completed 11 batches of QACP. We have 400 practitioners in India and we've, uh, you know, we've expanded. People are talking. They know about the course. I think there's some kind of a pressure also within the community, mental health community to do the course, you know, to become more queer affirmative, to focus on rights. So all that feels good. Yes. 
Sadaf and Aryan, on the other hand, warn of the dangers of having the label of being queer affirmative. Some practitioners, they say, stop doing the real work that therapy entails because they think doing the course on its own is enough. If the label becomes very uh, famous, right, like the label of queer affirmative, it's it's a risk we run of then actually not investigating our own biases because we yeah. feel like I have done this course, I have done that training. And so if there is a problem in the therapy, then it's the client's material. The client is resisting or something like that. Whereas yeah. earlier when people didn't have labels, they had to strive to be present and yeah. they have to strive to be understanding and curious in each session. I feel the labels run the risk of us getting complacent, which is why a lot of queer people are having bad experiences with the therapists who carry the label of queer affirmative. Yeah, I, I and we are not against any of the uh, the academics or learnings. Yeah, I would say just don't limit yourself to that. Yeah, just don't say that that is enough. Yeah. Now I don't need to do anything. Now I know everything. Experience does that to people or maybe lived experience does that to people or doing a certain course or having a certain label can do that to people but we'll stop being open without realizing it yeah. by thinking that this course or this lived experience is enough. Yeah. I think that's to watch out for regardless of who you work with and regardless of what you've studied. Yeah, yeah are you getting complacent? Mariwala Health Initiative has recently come out with a resource book on queer affirmative counseling practices for mental health practitioners in India. You can download it for free from the MHI website. Guftagu Therapy is currently taking clients and offers a sliding pay scale for people from marginalized communities. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pride and Prejudice. If you like this episode, please rate this podcast or leave a comment. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.